Chapter One of She and Alan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. She and Alan by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter One The Talisman. I believe it was the old Egyptians, a very wise people, probably indeed much wiser than we know, for in the leisure of their ample centuries they had time to think out things, who declared that each individual personality is made up of six or seven different elements, although the Bible only allows us three, namely body, soul, and spirit. The body that the man or woman wore, if I understand their theory aright, which perhaps I, an ignorant person, do not, was but a kind of sack or fleshly covering containing these different principles. Or, mayhap, it did not contain them all, but was simply a house, as it were, in which they lived from time to time, and seldom altogether, although one or more of them was present continually, as though to keep the place warmed and aired. This is but a casual illustrative suggestion, for what right have I, Alan Quatermain, out of my little reading and probably erroneous deductions, to form any judgment as to the theories of the old Egyptians? Still, these, as I understand them, suffice to furnish me with the text that man is not one, but many in which connection it may be remembered that often in scripture he is spoken of as being the home of many demons. Seven, I think. Also, to come to another far-off example, the Sulus talk of their witch-doctors as being inhabited by a multitude of spirits. Anyhow, of one thing I am quite sure, we are not always the same. Different personalities actuate us at different times. In one hour passion of this sort or the other is our Lord. In another we are reason itself. In one hour we follow the basest appetites, in another we hate them, and the spirit arising through our mortal murk shines within or above us like a star. In one hour our desire is to kill and spare not, in another we are filled with the holiest compassion, even towards an insect or a snake, and are ready to forgive like a god. Everything rules us in turn, to such an extent indeed, that sometimes one begins to wonder whether we really rule anything. Now the reason of all this homily is that I, Alan, the most practical and unimaginative of persons, just a homely, half-educated hunter and trader who chances to have seen a good deal of the particular little world in which his lot was cast, at one period of my life became the victim of spiritual longings. I am a man who has suffered great bereavements in my time, such as have seared my soul, since, perhaps because of my rather primitive and simple nature, my affections are very strong. 
by day or night i can never forget those whom i have loved and whom i believe to have loved me for you know in our vanity some of us are apt to hold that certain people with whom we have been intimate upon the earth really did care for us and in our still greater vanity or should it be called madness to imagine that they still care for us after they have left the earth and entered on some new state of society and surroundings which if they exist inferentially are much more congenial than any they can have experienced here at times however cold doubts strike us as to this matter of which we long to know the truth also behind looms a still blacker doubt namely whether they live at all for some years of my lonely existence these problems haunted me day by day till at length i desired above everything on earth to lay them at rest in one way or another once at durban i met a man who was a spiritualist to whom i confided a little of my perplexities he laughed at me and said that they could be settled with the greatest ease all i had to do was to visit a certain local medium who for a fee of one guinea would tell me everything i wanted to know although i rather grudged the guinea being more than usually hard up at the time i called upon this person but over the results of that visit or rather the lack of them i draw a veil my queer and perhaps unwholesome longing however remained with me and would not be abated i consulted a clergyman of my acquaintance a good and spiritually minded man but he could only shrug his shoulders and refer me to the bible saying quite rightly i doubt not that with what it reveals i ought to be contented then i read certain mystical books which were recommended to me these were full of fine words undiscoverable in a pocket dictionary but really took me no forwarder since in them i found nothing that i could not have invented myself although while i was actually studying them they seemed to convince me i even tackled swedenborg or rather samples of him for he is very copious but without satisfactory results ha j b then i gave up the business some months later i was in Zululand, and being near the black kloof where he dwelt i paid a visit to my acquaintance of whom i have written elsewhere the wonderful and ancient dwarf sikali known as the thing that should never have been born also more universally among the Zulus as opener of roads when we had talked of many things connected with the state of Zululand and its politics i rose to leave for my wagon since i never cared for sleeping in the black kloof if it could be avoided is there nothing else that you want to ask me makumasan asked the old dwarf tossing back his long hair and looking at i had almost written through me i shook my head that is strange makumasan for i seem to see something written on your mind something to do with spirits 
Then I remembered all the problems that had been troubling me, although in truth I had never thought of propounding them to Sikali. Ah, it comes back, does it? he exclaimed, reading my thought. Out with it then, Makumasan, while I am in a mood to answer, and before I grow tired, for you are an old friend of mine, and will so remain till the end, many years hence, and if I can serve you, I will. I filled my pipe, and sat down again upon the stool of carved redwood, which had been brought for me. You are named Opener of Roads, are you not, Sikali? I said. Yes, the Zulus have always called me that, since before the days of Chaka. But what of names, which often enough mean nothing at all? Only that I want to open a road, Sikali, that which runs across the river of death. Oho, he laughed, it is very easy. And snatching up a little assegai that lay beside him, he proffered it to me, adding, Be brave now, and fall on that. Then, before I have counted sixty, the road will be wide open, but whether you will see anything on it, I cannot tell you. Again I shook my head and answered, It is against our law. Also, while I still live, I desire to know whether I shall meet certain others on that road after my time has come to cross the river. Perhaps you who deal with spirits can prove the matter to me, which no one else seems able to do. Oh, laughed Sikali again. What do my ears hear? Am I the poor Sulu cheat? as you will remember once you called me, Makumasan, asked to show that which is hidden from all the wisdom of the great white people. The question is, I answered with irritation, not what you are asked to do, but what you can do. That I do not know yet, Makumasan. Whose spirits do you desire to see? If that of a woman called Mamina is one of them, I think that perhaps I whom she loved. For the history of Mamina, see the book called Child of Storm, Editor. She's not one of them, Sikali. Moreover, if she loved you, you paid back her love with death. Which was perhaps the kindest thing I could do, Makumasan for reasons that you may be able to guess, and others with which I will not trouble you. But if not hers, whose? Let me look, let me look. Why, there seems to be two of them, headwives, I mean. And I thought that white men only took one wife, also a multitude of others. Their faces float up in the water of your mind. An old man with gray hair, little children, perhaps they were brothers and sisters, and some who may be friends. Also, very clear indeed that Mamina, whom you do not wish to see. Well, Makumasan, this is unfortunate, since she is the only one whom I can show you or rather put you in the way of finding, 
unless indeed there are other kafir women what do you mean i asked i mean macumazahn that only black feet travel on the road which i can open over those in which ran white blood i have no power then it is finished i said rising again and taking a step or two towards the gate come back and sit down macumazahn i did not say so am i the only ruler of magic in africa which i am told is a big country i came back and sat down for my curiosity a great failing with me was excited thank you sikali i said but i will have no dealings with more of your witch doctors no no because you are afraid of them quite without reason macumazahn seeing that they are all cheats except myself i am the last child of wisdom the rest are stuffed with lies as chaka found out when he killed every one of them whom he could catch but perhaps there might be a white doctor who would have rule over white spirits if you mean missionaries i began hastily no macumazahn i do not mean your praying men who are cast in one mould and measured with one rule and say what they are taught to say not thinking for themselves some of them think sikali yes and then the others fall on them with big sticks the real priest is he to whom the spirit comes not he who feeds upon its wrappings and speaks through a mask carved by his father's fathers i am a priest like that which is why all my fellowship have hated me if so you have paid back their hate sikali but cease to cast round the lion like a timid hound and tell me what you mean of whom do you speak that is the trouble macumazahn i do not know this lion or rather lioness lies hid in the caves of a very distant mountain and i have never seen her in the flesh then how can you talk of what you have never seen in the same way macumazahn that your priests talk of what they have never seen because they or a few of them have knowledge of it i will tell you a secret all seers who live at the same time if they are great commune with each other because they are akin and their spirits meet in sleep or dreams therefore i know of a mistress of our craft a very lioness among jackals who for thousands of years has lain sleeping in the northern caves and humble though i am she knows of me quite so i said yawning but perhaps sikali will come to the point of the spear what of her how is she named and if she exists will she help me i will answer your question backwards macumazahn i think that she will help you if you help her in what way i do not know 
because although which doctors sometimes work without pay, as I am doing now, Macmassan, which doctoresses never do. As for her name, the only one that she has among our company is Queen, because she is the first of all of them, and the most beauteous among women. For the rest I can tell you nothing, except that she has always been, and I suppose, in this shape or in that, will always be, while the world lasts, because she has found the secret of life unending. You mean that she is immortal, Sikali? I answered with a smile. I do not say that, Makmasan, because my little mind cannot shape the thought of immortality. But when I was a babe, which is far ago, she had lived so long that scarce would she knew the difference between then and now. And already in her breast was all wisdom gathered. I know it because although, as I have said, we have never seen each other, at times we walk together in our sleep, for thus she shares her loneliness. And I think, though this may be but a dream, that last night she told me to send you on to her, to seek an answer to certain questions which you would put to me to-day. Also, to me she seemed to desire that you should do her a service. I know not what service. Why does it please you to fool me, Sikali? with such talk as this. If there is any truth in it, show me where the woman called Queen lives and how I am to come to her. The old wizard took up the little assegai which he had offered to me, and with its blade raked our ashes from the fire that always burnt in front of him. While he did so, he talked to me, as I thought, in a random fashion perhaps to distract my attention, of a certain white man whom he said I should meet upon my journey, and of his affairs, also other matters, none of which interested me much at the time. These ashes he patted down flat, and then on them drew a map with the point of his spear, making grooves for streams, certain marks for bush and forest, wavy lines for water and swamps and little heaps for hills when he had finished it all he bade me come round the fire and study the picture across which by an afterthought he drew a wandering furrow with the edge of the assegai to represent a river and gathered the ashes in a lump at the northern end to signify a large mountain look at it well Macumasan he said, and forget nothing, since if you make this journey and forget you die, nay, no need to copy it in that book of yours, for see, I will stamp it on your mind. Then suddenly he gathered up the warm ashes in a double handful, and threw them into my face, muttering something as he did so, and adding aloud, There! now you will remember certainly i shall 
I answered, coughing, and I beg that you will not play such a joke upon me again. As a matter of fact, whatever may have been the reason, I never forgot any detail of that extremely intricate map. That big river must be the Sambesi, I stuttered, and even then the mountain of your queen, if it be her mountain, is far away. And how can I come there alone? I don't know, Macumazahn, though perhaps you might do so in company. At least I believe that in the old days people used to travel to the place, since I have heard a great city stood there once, which was the heart of a mighty empire. Now I pricked up my ears, for though I believed nothing of Sikali's story of a wonderful queen, I was always intensely interested in past civilizations and their relics. Also I knew that the old wizard's knowledge was extensive and peculiar. However, he came by it, and I did not think that he would lie to me in this matter. Indeed, to tell the truth, then and there I made up my mind that if it were in any way possible, I would attempt this journey. How did people travel to the city, Sikali? By sea, I suppose, Macumazahn, but I think that you will be wise not to try that road, since I believe that on the seaside the marshes are now impassable, and you will be safer on your feet. You want me to go on this adventure, Sikali? Why? I know you never do anything without motive. Oh, Macumazahn, you are clever and see deeper into the trunk of a tree than most. Yes, I want you to go for three reasons. First, that you may satisfy your soul on certain matters, and I would help you to do so. Secondly, because I want to satisfy mine, and thirdly, because I know that you will come back safe to be a prop to me in the things that will happen in days unborn. Otherwise I would have told you nothing of this story, since it is necessary to me that you should remain living beneath the sun. Have done, Sikali. What is it that you desire? Oh, a great deal that I shall get, but chiefly two things. So... With the rest I will not trouble you. First I desire to know whether these dreams of mine, of a wonderful white witch-doctoress, or witch, and of my converse with her, are indeed more than dreams. Next I would learn whether certain plots of mine, at which I have worked for years, will succeed. What plots, Sikali? And how can my taking a distant journey tell you anything about them? You know them well enough, Macumazahn. They have to do with the overthrow of a royal house that has worked me bitter wrong. As to how your journey can help me, why, thus, you shall promise to me to ask of this queen whether Sikali, opener of roads, shall triumph or be overthrown in that on which he has set his heart. As you seem to know this witch so well, why do you not ask her yourself, Sikali? 
To ask is one thing, Makumasan. To get an answer is another. I have asked in the watches of the night, and the reply was, Come hither, and perchance I will tell you. Queen, I said, how can I come save in the spirit, who am an ancient and a crippled dwarf, scarcely able to stand upon my feet? Then send a messenger, wizard, and be sure that he is white, for of black savages I have seen more than enough. Let him bear a token also that he comes from you, and tell me of it in your sleep. Moreover, let that token be something of power which will protect him on the journey. Such is the answer that comes to me in my dreams, Makumasan. Well, what token will you give me, Sikali? He groped about in his robe and produced a piece of ivory of the size of a large chessman that had a hole in it through which ran a plated cord of the stiff hairs from an elephant's tail. On this article, which was of a rusty brown color, he breathed, then having whispered to it for a while, handed it to me. I took the talisman, for such I guessed it to be, idly enough, held it to the light to examine it, and started back so violently that almost I let it fall. I do not quite know why I started, but I think it was because some influence seemed to leap from it to me. Sikali started also and cried out, Have a care, Makumasan. Am I young that I can bear being dashed to the ground? What do you mean? I asked, still staring at the thing which I perceived to be a most wonderfully fashioned likeness of the old dwarf himself as he appeared before me, crouched upon the ground. There were the deep-set eyes, the great head, the toad-like shape, the long hair, all. It is a clever carving, is it not, Makumasan? I am skilled in that art, you know, and therefore can judge of carving. Yes, I know, I answered, bethinking me of another statue of his, which he had given to me on the morrow of the death of her from whom it was modelled. But what of the thing? Makuma-san, it has come down to me through the ages. As you may have heard, all great doctors, when they die, pass on their wisdom and something of their knowledge to another doctor of spirits who is still living on the earth, that nothing may be lost, or as little as possible. Also, I have learned that to such likenesses as these may be given the strength of him or her from whom they were shaped. Now I bethought me of the old Egyptians and their car statues, of which I had read, and that these statues, magically charmed and set in the tombs of the departed, were supposed to be inhabited everlastingly by the doubles of the dead endued with more power even than ever these possessed in life. But of this I said nothing to Sikali, thinking that it would take too much explanation, though I wondered very much how he had come by the same idea. 
When that ivory is hung over your heart, Macmazahn, where you must always wear it, learn that with it goes the strength of Sikali, the thought that would have been his thought, and the wisdom that is his wisdom, will be your companions, as much as though he walked at your side and could instruct you in every peril. Moreover, north and south and east and west this image is known to men who when they see it will bow down and obey opening a road to him who wears the medicine of the opener of roads indeed i said smiling and what is this colour on the ivory i forget macumazahn who have had it a great number of years ever since it descended to me from a forefather of mine who was fashioned in the same mould as i am it looks like blood does it not it is a pity that mamina is not still alive since she whose memory was so excellent might have been able to tell you and as he spoke with emotion that was at once sure and swift he threw the loop of elephant hair over my head hastily i changed the subject feeling that after his wont this old wizard the most terrible man whom ever i knew who had been so much concerned with the tragic death of mamina was stabbing at me in some hidden fashion you tell me to go on this journey i said and not alone yet for companion you give me only an ugly piece of ivory shaped as no man ever was here i got one back at sikali and from the look of it steeped in blood which ivory if i had my way i would throw into the campfire who then am i to take with me don't do that macbazan i mean throw the ivory into the fire since i have no wish to burn before my time and if you do you who have worn it might burn with me at least certainly you would die with the magic thing and go to acquire knowledge more quickly than you desire no no and don't try to take it off your neck or rather try if you will i did try but something seemed to prevent me from accomplishing my purpose of giving the carving back to Sikali, as I wished to do. First my pipe got in the way of my hand, then the elephant hairs caught in the collar of my coat, then a pang of rheumatism to which I was accustomed from an old lion bite developed of a sudden in my arm, and lastly I grew tired of bothering about the thing. Sikali, who had been watching my movements, burst out into one of his terrible laughs that seemed to fill the whole kloof and to re-echo from its rocky walls. It died away, and he went on, without further reference to the talisman or image. You asked whom you were to take with you, Makumasan. Well, as to this I must make inquiry of those who know. Man! my medicines from the shadows in the hut behind darted out a tall figure carrying a great spear in one hand and in the other a catskin bag which with the salute he laid down at the feet of his master 
This salute, by the way, was that of a Zulu word, which means lord or home or ghosts. Sikali groped in the bag and produced from it certain knuckle-bones. A common method, he muttered, such as every vulgar wizard uses, but one that is quick and, as the matter concerned is small, will serve my turn. Let us see now whom you shall take with you, Makumasan. Then he breathed upon the bones, shook them up in his thin hands, and with a quick turn of the wrist threw them into the air. After this he studied them carefully where they lay among the ashes which he had raked out of the fire, those that he had used for making of his map. Do you know a man named Umslopogas, Makumasan, the chief of a tribe that is called the People of the Axe, whose titles of praise are Bulalio, or the Slaughterer and Woodpecker, the latter from the way he handles his ancient axe? He is a savage fellow, but one of high blood and higher courage, a great captain in his way, though he will never come to anything save a glorious death in your company, I think, Makumasan. Here he studied the bones again for a while. Yes, I am sure, in your company, though not upon this journey. I have heard of him, I answered cautiously. It is said in the land that he is a son of Chaka, the great king of the Sulus. Is it, Makumasan? And is it said also that he was the slayer of Chaka's brother, Dingaan, also the lover of the fairest woman that the Sulus have ever seen, who was called Nada the Lily? Unless indeed a certain Mamina, who I seem to remember was a friend of yours, may have been even more beautiful. I know nothing of Nada the Lily, I answered. No, no, Mamina, the waiting wind, has blown over her fame. So why should you know of one who has been dead a long while? Why also, Makumasan, do you always bring women into every business? I begin to believe that although you are so strict in a white man's fashion, you must be too fond of them, a weakness which makes for ruin to any man. Well now, I think that this wolf-man, this axe-man, this warrior, Umslopogas, should be a good fellow to you on your journey to visit the white witch, queen, another woman, by the way, Makumasan, and therefore one of whom you should be careful. Oh, yes, he will come with you, because of a man called Lusta, and a woman named Monasi, a wife of his who hates him, and does not hate Lusta. I am almost sure that he will come with you, so do not stop to ask questions about him. Is there anyone else? I inquired. Sikali glanced at the bones again poking them about in the ashes with his toe, then replied with a yawn. You seem to have a little yellow man in your service, a clever snake 
who knows how to creep through grass, and when to strike, and when to lie hidden. I should take him too, if I were you. You know well that I have such a man, Sikali, a hottentot named Hans, clever in his way, but drunken, very faithful too, since he loved my father before me. He is cooking my supper in the wagon now. Are there to be any others? No, I think you three will be enough, with a guard of soldiers from the people of the axe, for you will meet with fighting and a ghost or two. Umslopogas has always one at his elbow named Nada, and perhaps you have several. For instance, there was a certain Mamina, whom I always seem to feel about me when you are near, Makmasan. Why, the wind is rising again, which is odd, on so still an evening. Listen to how it wails, yes, and stirs your hair, though mine hangs straight enough. But why do I talk of ghosts, seeing that you travel to seek other ghosts, white ghosts, beyond my ken, who can only deal with those who were black? Good night, Makmasan, good night. When you return from visiting the white queen, that great one beneath those feet, I, Sikali, who am also great in my way, am but a grain of dust. Come and tell me her answer to my question. Meanwhile, be careful always to wear that pretty little image which I have given you, as a young lover sometimes wear a lock of hair cut from the head of some fool girl that he thinks is fond of him. It will bring you safety and luck, Makmasan, which for the most part is more than the lock of hair does to the lover. Oh, it is a strange world, full of jest to those who can see the strings that work it. I am one of them, and perhaps, Makmasan, you are another, or will be before all is done or begun. Good night. And good fortune to you on your journeyings, and, Makamasan, although you are so fond of women, be careful not to fall in love with that white queen, because it would make others jealous. I mean some who you have lost sight of for a while. Also, I think that being under curse of her own, she is not one whom you can put in your sack. Oh, oh, slave, bring me my blanket. It grows cold, and my medicine also, that which protects me from the ghosts who are thick tonight. Makmasan brings them, I think. Oh, oh. I turned to depart, but when I had gone a little way, Sikali called me back again and said, speaking very low, when you meet this Umslopogas, as you will meet him, he who is called the woodpecker and the slaughterer, say these words to him. A bat has been twittering round the hut of the opener of roads, and to his ears it squeaked the name of a certain Lusta, and the name of a woman called Monasi, 
Also it twittered another greater name that may not be uttered, that of an elephant who shakes the earth, and said that this elephant sniffs the air with his trunk and grows angry, and sharpens his tusks to dig a certain woodpecker out of his hole in a tree that grows near the witch-mountain. Say, too, that the opener of roads thinks that this woodpecker would be wise to fly north for a while in the company of one who watches by night, lest harm should come to a bird that pecks at the feet of the great and chatters of it in his nest. Then Sikali waved his hand, and I went, wondering into what plot I had stumbled. End of chapter 1 of She and Alan by H. Ryder Haggard Read by Lars Rolander